And we are live. Cool. JT here. Welcome to the huddle. The huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. It's to learn more about their journey to greatness. Why do I have these conversations? Because success always leaves clues. I want to take a moment to thank you. Whether you are tuning in as we stream into Facebook or YouTube, or whether you're listening to the audio on the podcast, just want to thank you again for being here with me and my special guest today. And here's my reminder to you the mind is like a parachute, it works best when it's wide open. So my challenge to you is to go all in on this conversation, to remove any distractions and get laser focus on the here and the now. And I guarantee you, you will gain a valuable nugget of wisdom that will not only help you succeed in sport, but more importantly, in the game of life. I've been looking forward to my conversation with my special guest today. Uh, we spoke about him coming into the huddle, uh, probably a little less than a year ago, but again, life's all divine timing. So we happened to see each other live and in person on the weekend. And like any successful person, right? It's a reminder that the universe always rewards speed of action. So I reached out to him the day after and just said, hey, coach, love to love to circle back and bring you in the huddle now. And he graciously uh, blessed, blessed said yes. Uh, so my guest in the huddle today is the current uh, is currently serving as the defensive coordinator for St. Mary's University. My guest in the huddle today is Gavin Lake. How are you today, brother? Coach, brother, what's going down? It's been a while since London. I hear, I hear you. It's uh, it's interesting, you know. As as I was mentioning, you know, a minute ago, you know, I just us being able to connect live and in person cool. uh, this past weekend. It was funny how it reminded me of how life passed, like kind of twist and turn, but it's interesting how, you know, that conversation on Saturday really helped me remember that, you know, people come into your life at different stages. And I'm just so grateful that our paths have kind of intersected again. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the, like Dennis Rodman, you know, it goes here and hits the backboard and it does this. And, uh, you know, we were really fortunate to be part of the junior Mustang staff. Uh, you at the varsity level, me with uh, JB um, back, oh gosh, 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we crossed paths there. Um, I believe you were helping at Lucas at the time. I was mm -hmm. helping at South at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so there was that pathway. Um, and then, of course, uh, football Ontario, um, you know, my journey through Southern Ontario with coaching and high school level, the junior level. And then uh, and here we are, you know, at an OSFL summer game uh, at old Esther Shriner Stadium where I actually played at York. So I had a Vietnam flashback 30 years ago. Um, so, no, it's, it's just fascinating how small the football community is in Canada. And uh, the same people you see on the way up are the same people you see on the way down. So, um, you know, it's, it's fantastic. So I, I, I'm really pleased to be here. Absolutely, brother. Um, before we get kicked off, pun intended, um, mm -hmm. I, I just want to take a moment to count my blessings. And counting my blessings is a practice that I challenge myself to do every day. Um, some days I obviously do it better than others. 
but I do find the days where I'm most consistent counting my blessings. I do find that those days seem to be filled with a little bit more joy and just a little bit more common peace in my life. And uh, I'm, I'm a big believer that the biggest blessing you can give anyone is your time and energy. So I just want to thank you again for blessing me with some of your time and energy today. I appreciate it. Your journey. Likewise, it goes back and forth. Um, you know, it's, if you stay in the game long enough, um, you, the, the more you find out what you don't know, and, and it's the relationships that you, you build and, and you get a nugget, as you say, somewhere along the way. So I'm always receptive and open and looking for that, you know, that, that, that tidbit that will help me in my journey. Absolutely. So I'm curious, uh, Coach, one of the things that I like to remind others and myself is that life is a game and games are supposed to be fun. So I'm curious, uh, what's an interesting fact uh, that maybe a lot of people don't know about you that you be open to sharing with our community today. Oh gosh, um, I've I've been pretty transparent in my in my my wins and my my failures or lessons. Um, little known fact. Okay, well, everybody knew that I I barely played university football at York. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to play pro ball. Um, you know, my body was only built for so many hits. I knew that uh, there was only so much genetic potential for speed, all that stuff. Uh, how about, okay, a little one. I attempted a football comeback at 28 uh, and I actually went through, it would have been CIS or CIEU. I went through another uh, football camp at university. I played back at York University with Tom Arnett again. Uh, in 2000. So I had a, I got in the best shape of my life and I had an early midlife crisis at 28. At the time you could still play, you know, you had five years, no matter how old you were. Right. So I still had eligibility and I, I went back and I, uh, I, uh, I had fun for a month. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> we're crazy. <laughs> well, and, and what I love about it, and as I was mentioning before, you know, we, we went live here is, is just that idea of, I've really come to appreciate about you that your, your, your journey to, to greatness has been very diverse, right? Like you have experienced, you know, you, you've coached, you've spent time at the grassroots level and you've gone to the highest levels, right? The professional level. So it's really interesting how you're like, there's sort of like this openness to staying involved in the game. So yeah. would you say that that's kind of been sort of a, a desire of yours? Uh, absolutely. And I think, too, I look at growth um, uh, not in, in a sequential order. Uh, again, getting that nugget, it might be, um, if you're a coordinator, might be under a, a really special head coach. Um, if you're a position coach, you get the opportunity to learn under, you know, maybe this fantastic coordinator. Or maybe you're thinking, okay, I've, I'm a position coach. I want to strive to be a coordinator. I've got to go maybe down a level to get my skill set up, but I get that position bump now that I'm a coordinator. Um, so I, I look for the growth, not necessarily sequentially, but how is this all going to encompass with my resume? And I've always thought that way. That if there's a growth opportunity, it didn't matter the level. So um, when I first started, it was community football. Just I, I showed up as a, a volunteer defensive back coach. Um, and then, you know, the universe works in funny ways. There was a, a, a tussle between the staff, 
uh, that was there and the board and I showed up to practice the following week and it was just the receivers coach and I because the rest of the staff had quit. So suddenly in my first year coaching football, I was now the defensive coordinator and position position coach for three different positions. Um, and uh, it was a trial by fire. Then I got the opportunity to go to uh, a local high school, John Barsby, Rob Stevenson uh, said, Gavin, we're starting up a new program. Love to have you come out and be the defensive coordinator. So I started out as a coordinator before I was ready to be, even be a position coach. So it forced uh, growth really quick. It was like, oh man, I got to get in on the NCCP level one immediately. So I was 24 years old and I was taking the theory course right away and, and it forced that growth opportunity. And then my day job at the time, I was a trainer, personal trainer. So I ended up, a lot of the guys that I was coaching in, in my volunteer time, I was also working with strength conditioning wise. And then some of those kids started to go next level, junior football, university football level. Um, uh, you know, long story short, my connection to London started in Nanaimo. They, had, they didn't have grade 12. Grade 12 was it. In BC, Ontario still had OAC grade 13 football. So uh, one of my former guys in Nanaimo, Scott Horn, went and played at CCH under Mike Cerselli back in the late 90s, went to Iowa State. That was my connection to the Cerselli family way back in the late 90s. So, okay, go backwards. Some of these kids that I'm working with, they get opportunities. Uh, Jay Prepchuk was at UBC at the time. I was flirting with going to be the defensive back coach there. Um, UBC wouldn't pay for parking, so it nixed the deal. I was out. Um, funny story. Uh, and then I got a call from uh, Blake Nill out in Halifax. They uh, The Huskies had just had a, a, a super Vanier run, like three or four Vanniers in a couple of years, and uh, he needed a defensive back coach. I looked at it as an opportunity, and... I flew from one coast to the next coast, um, arrived just before training camp, didn't even see a playbook, and then I'm on the field with the two-time defending Vanier Cup champions. Met Coach Samara, Steve, mm -hmm. back then was the OC, so I was the DB coach, so we all developed a relationship back then. Uh, I had a brief opportunity with Mount A, looked at that, didn't work out. Blake brought me back uh, to St. Mary's, then he took the Calgary job in 06, I got offered um, the defense coordinator job at Simon Fraser, took that for a season. Uh, the head coach uh, resigned. Um, I was offered the interim head job. Um, I declined it knowing that they wanted an alum head coach, um, and that was the right step for that program. I'm helping out. Uh, this was 06, no, 07 at the BC Senior Bowl, which is the grade 12 students at March break. Um, uh, and it's at the BC Lions facility in Surrey. Mike Benavides is the linebacker coach and special teams coordinator. And I played with Mike at York. And he said, Gavin, you know what? Uh, talk to Dave Ritchie about coming aboard with the Lions, um, helping out Dave. Dave was, uh, oh, he was 69 at the time. And, you know, technology had just really started coming. The 2000s, we literally went from VHS to digital within a really short time period. And I was really fortunate to be on that wave. So, uh, you know, Wally called me a couple times and we talked about uh, barbecue salmon. And, and, uh, and uh, he called me. I was at Home Depot. I was getting some trim, some molding cut. Um, and he said, I'm in. So I, 
I had the 07 year with the BC Lions. Um, wonderful opportunity. Uh, Wally, I, I learned so much with having Wally and Dave, uh, Mike Roach, uh, just a fantastic staff. Um, Steph Kruk, uh, Jamie Barisi, um, Dan Durazio. So really a who's who of, of the football world, CFL-wise at that time. So it was a bit of a crash course. Um, then uh, fast forward into the season, uh, CFL limited budgets. Uh, I think David Braley had two clubs at the time. He was, he was Toronto and BC. There was limited coaching money. And Wally was bringing um, Jock Chaplain back from Edmonton and brings me in the office and says, uh, uh, Gavin, I, I just, I'd love to have you here. I just, I don't have, a, I don't have enough money. Maybe we can scrap together, you know, uh, helping with Neil uh, McAvoy a little bit. We can help a little bit with video. We can help a little bit with defensive backs and maybe we can piece something together. And at the time I was 35 years old and the idea of living in Vancouver below the poverty line, <laughs> doing three things, uh, I, I love the opportunity, but I looked at the logistics of it and the reality of it. And I, I said, well, I just, I don't think I can do this. Um, he said, okay, I totally understand. Appreciate it. I'll be a reference for you. No matter all good. Um, so, okay. That was that. I, I made some calls to some CFL clubs. I got a call back from uh, John Huffnagel, who was with us back at uh, camp. Um, you know, Calgary had their staff. Bob Bilovich had gone to uh, back to um, Hamilton uh, their staff was filled. Um, interesting start to a, a longer story. Mark Tressman had just got the job in Montreal, um, but I had no contact for him. He was coming from the States, uh, illustrious career in NCAA, start, you know, Miami Hurricanes championships, Oakland Raiders offense coordinator, the whole scene. Um, I knew he was a lawyer. I knew he got his law degree. So I can't remember what search engine was around at the time. I don't even know if it was Google. I don't know if it was Yahoo. I don't know if it was Hotbot. That's my age. I have no idea what it was. Um, but I found a search. There was an M. Tressman that was at a law or some uh, Florida bar uh, conference. I found a PDF email list online. There was no name attached to it, but there was an email. I cold emailed the address. It was Mark. He replied, cold, cold replied. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, my staff is filled in Montreal. Wish you the best. Okay. So no opportunity back in the league. I got a call from um, uh, Hattie Abassi, who was the president of the VI Raiders. And uh, the Raiders had just come off a national championship in 06, close in 07. I got an opportunity to come back to the island, um, help out as an executive vice president and an offensive assistant to uh, uh, Matt Blocker. Snoop uh, graciously brought me in. Um, I, had he said, Gavin, what do you need? Um, I said, I'm going to need this much money. He wrote on the napkin at lunch, 10,000 more than what I asked for. So I, I shook hands. Okay, I'm a VI Raider. I'm coaching junior football now. <laughs> now, I was now the running back coach. So Andrew Harris is in my backfield. I'm coaching Andrew Harris. I watched this uh, CFL Hall of Famer put up 1,200 yards in four playoff games. We beat the Hilltops in Saskatoon, the only BC club to ever do that on Hilltop turf in, a, in an intergold or what they called at the time. We won the national title. Uh, fantastic opportunity. But now I was, I was 30, 35, uh, 36 years old. I felt to stay at the junior level, I needed to have a coordinator title or I needed something 
that was going to help beyond junior. Um, now, Doug Hawking was doing an incredible job as the DC. Um, Snoop was also uh, doing the special teams and uh, Coach DR was doing offense coordinating. So there really wasn't a, a coordinator title available. And those were all awesome friends of mine. So uh, I was talking with Nate Stevenson at Nanaimo District Secondary. He said, Gavin, come, come be head coach of the seniors and help me with the juniors. Um, okay, so left junior, got the opportunity to put head coach on my resume with Nanaimo District. Uh, that year was fantastic. That was 09. We uh, won the first ever playoff game in Nanaimo District secondary history uh, on the Bumaruski. Uh, put in that play and it worked. It was phenomenal. Went for 40 yards. Uh, so then I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm the head coach in Nanaimo District uh, for 2010. This is what's going to happen. The universe steps in. Blake at the time in Calgary gives me a call. Uh, of course, the Dinos are now up to Laval level, national championship uh, caliber. Absolute loaded team. Needed an offensive uh, assistant. Uh, Gavin, I need you to come in. Uh, how much do you need? Okay, I need this much. He said, done. I went, shit. <laughs> I should have asked for more. <laughs> so anyway, uh, go to University of Calgary. Uh, we get back to the Vanier, play that in the snow. Um, so I had the opportunity to go to the Vanier with, with Blake at St. Mary's. I had the opportunity to go to the, the Vanier again with University of Calgary. While I'm in Calgary, Dave Ritchie, who I was coaching with in BC, had since retired from the CFL calls me and says, Gavin, I'm going to Zurich. I'm going to coach the Renegades in Switzerland. Would you come with me? I said, Dave, I'd love to come. Um, he said, well, let me just check and see. Uh, they didn't have enough money for a couple import coaches uh, at the time. However, Dave connected me with Roger Kelly, who was at the time with Euro players. He's now doing the international football. He, he's tons of Europe uh, contacts. Um, he says, would, would I go somewhere else? I said, absolutely. Um, started communicating with some clubs, uh, really connected with uh, one in Austria, Amstetten, and the Thunder uh, in the AFL Division I. Um, I, uh, I went over for three glorious seasons uh, in Austria. Uh, and one day I'll go back. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. We're crazy over here. We have Tim Hortons on every corner. We have fast pace. We have fast food. We have drive-throughs. Over there, they take the two-hour lunches. They recognize the importance of downtime on weekends, holidays, family time. Uh, it's a kinder, gentler. So love my time. Got the opportunity in, in this time period to be the head coach of the Okanagan Sun. They were thinking uh, of making a push for Canada West uh, joining with UBC Okanagan. Um, I jumped on that. Um, wasn't the right fit for me. I took a lot of learning lessons out of that. We had a tough year. Uh, at the time, BC had put in the top three teams or two teams had to play each other three times. And the bottom three teams, they played each other three times. So the top teams played each other and the bottom teams played each other. And then you only crossed over like once. So you ended up playing the VI Raiders three times and the Langley Rams three times, but you only saw Chilliwack once. You only saw Kamloops once. So it was a challenging schedule and I underperformed. Um, so the one year done got the opportunity to come back to VI. We went back to the national title. Um, you know, the fantastic experience. Uh, then um, personal relationship. I was, uh, I was committed to going back to Europe. So I was going to do 
Europe in the spring, January to July. I was going to do CGFL from August to November. So I, I got it made. So I'm, I'm on Vancouver Island half the year and I'm in Austria half the year. You know, two of the most beautiful places on the planet. I thought that's okay. I'm set. Well, then I decided to get married and um, I, I said, okay, I'm done coaching full time. I was now 40, 41. Okay, I've been there, done that. Great. So coming back to Ontario, outside of London, um, I called JP Cercelli. So now I remember JP from the late 90s when he was bulking up to play O-line at McMaster. And I remember going to the four city camps with Mike Cercelli at CCH. So I called JP. He was the head coach at CCH at the time. I said, hey, I'm coming back to Ontario. I'm going to be living right here. Is there an opportunity to come out and help? Um, so he said, yeah, no problem. Two weeks later, I get a call, Gavin, I'm going to Concordia. <laughs> um, however, I'm going to pass your number along and, uh, you know, here you go. Okay, cool. Well, I didn't get a call. CCH didn't call. I'm like, okay, well, they don't, they don't need me. They don't need help. Okay, cool. No problem. So that fall, uh, I just toured, um, the uh, the OFC and the you know would have been I guess the o before the OPFL OP VFL whatever it was um, just expanding my my skill set and just shaking hands again back on the ground went to all the U uh, sports games saw you know Steve Samara came back with Carlton uh, you know got to see him at Waterloo the whole scene so I just wanted to keep my brain fresh um, then uh, JP calls after the season November he's he did the one year at Concordia. He says, Gavin, I'm taking over the, the junior varsity Mustangs. Would you come aboard? Absolutely. So helping out with the summer there, uh, then uh, Coach Dave Martin at South is coming aboard. And he says, Gavin, do you want to help out at South? We got a really special group. Uh, and we did, you know, of course, the Martin, you know, Ethan Martin and, and uh, Chase and Sidney Brown, like the whole thing. So I said, sure. And my roots were in high school football, playing high school football. So that was the extension. I understood it. I got the, you know, the locker room is as tight as it's ever going to be in any level of football. It was, it was fun. And of course we won off uh, that fall. Um, and uh, so, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm back coaching volunteer, got a day job. I was the uh, hammer strength rep for Southern Ontario. So uh, coach Watson at Western, those lovely dumbbells, I'm the one who sold them. Uh, you know, McMaster's gym, Laurier's gym, all that stuff. So it kept me involved in the, in the, the OUA, uh, you know, field. Um, minding my own business, uh, 2017, my grandmother had just passed. And literally at the funeral, I get a text from Mike Benavides, who's the D coordinator in Edmonton at the time. He says, Gavin Toronto called asking about you. Okay, well, this is 10 years past my last pro opportunity. Now, you can count on one hand the amount of pro coaches in Canada who didn't play CFL football. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty small funnel, right? Um, so I got the opportunity to come back. So now we're up to 2017. We win the Grey Cup. So I'm with Mark Pressman. I go down to coaches' meetings in March. The first guy I see off the elevator is former NFL quarterback Steve Walsh. Well, I remember him getting drafted with Troy Aikman and having his football card, and now I'm coaching with him, right? So it's absolute mind-blowing. I'm going to back up a couple years 
how did the cold email to Mark Tressman suddenly come 10 years later to coaching with, with such an incredible man? Well, Mark went on to win uh, two Grey Cups and three Grey Cup appearances with Montreal, with Anthony Calvillo and, and Cahoon, and of course, just a wonderful cast. I sent an e- a cold email congratulations uh, when he got the Chicago Bears job. He replied, thank you very much. Fantastic. So now we've had two cold emails. We've never met. He gets fired in Chicago. Now you coach long enough, you're going to get fired. It's going to happen. It's, it's, there's no clean s- slate. It's going to happen. Uh, I sent another cold email. So this is the third cold email. Uh, you're going to land on your feet. You did tremendous work. It's going to be awesome. He sent me back a cold email. Thank you very much. Wish you the best. Thanks for your support. Fast forward, he gets uh, fired in Baltimore. Um, you know, I guess, I don't know, Joe Flacco doesn't want to play West Coast offense. I don't know. I have no clue. So Mark's getting paid to not coach football. I, you land on your feet, whatever. So that's four cold emails we've never met. Uh, then uh, Scott Milanovic and Jim Barker are out in Toronto. I send my fifth and final cold email in 10 years. Hey, there's an opening. I don't know what's going to happen, but you'd be the right guy. Unbelievable story. The next day, unbeknownst to me, Jim Pop gets hired. He calls Mark Tressman. Mark Tressman takes the job. The day after that, Mark has a list of interviews. He puts my name on an interview list. Five cold emails in 10 years. Um, so Corey Chamberlain calls. I'm working with Corey. He just won the Great Cup with Saskatchewan a couple years earlier. And now I'm helping out the defense, Toronto Argonauts. So a couple years with Toronto. Uh, the salary cap comes in. The operations cap comes in. Uh, CFL staff sizes and budget for the whole top end, uh, it drops. Um, so um, Mark, uh, unfortunately, with an underperforming um, club, you know, if the O-line and quarterbacking isn't there, well, the head coach is just, you're, you're showing the door. Um, MLSE takes a different approach. I'm still under contract with the Argos. Uh, so I can't coach or I'd lose my Argos contract. So then I, I talked with Jay Kenemy. Jay says, Gavin, I need you to be the coaching director with the Junior Mustangs 2019. So now I'm, I'm working with all the coaches from the, the U10, the U12, the U14, the U16. And at the time, it was, as you know, you know Peewee, Bantam, JV, the, the whole structure. So it got me back in at the grassroots level. Um, and uh, that was, that was pre-pandemic. So then 2020 hits and we're all derailed. And uh, um, Coach Maddox with the Beefeaters was taking a job opportunity out uh, west. So there was an opening with the Beefeaters. Now, as you know, this is a volunteer uh, opportunity. However, I'm living local. Um, I say, well, okay, sure, why not? I've had, you know, uh, junior experience. I'm local. Let's uh, let's see what we can do. Uh, well, we, we had a magical run. Uh, the year off, couldn't recruit, couldn't bring kids in, uh, couldn't train until summer of 21. 
because uh, we only had to, we had uh, four little pod practices in February, and suddenly now we got to put together a main camp. Nobody was traveling. You couldn't bring in kids from out of town. Renters weren't billeting. It was such a tough environment. However, I felt that if we build a, a strong staff with the guys that we got, you know, we're going to be competitive. And unfortunately, we had a, a magical run and, and, and beat um, St. Clair in the OFC final and took the Beefs to the national title game for the first time. Um, so now, of course, uh, Matt Snyder's taken over that program. Now he's doing a great job there with that. I, um, I, I got a call. So it would have been whew, May or June, June, I guess, June, July last year. St. Mary's was making a, a coaching change. They were late to the, the decision. And as you know, that's a tough one because you lose a recruiting cycle. Um, I get hired. Steve calls me. I'm fortunate to have a, a wonderful relationship with them. Uh, he calls me. I get hired during the recruiting blackout. Can't call any kids even if I want to. And I come to St. Mary's last fall, six days before training camp. We got to start from scratch and we take a winless program and we get them close to the playoffs with no recruiting year. Um, so, you know, we, we, we put in a little bit of a foundational push culturally wise. Um, and this year is our first recruiting class. So the journey, and I'm talking 28 years here, so I've tried to condense, uh, it has not been a straight line. There's no, uh, position coach, coordinator, head coach. It's been more of the growth mindset of, okay, maybe the position coach coordinator is not at this level, but it's over at this level. So it's been a real periodized step approach that I'm, I'm expanding my skill set, and I don't care what level it is. I don't care if it's novice. I don't care if it's junior. I don't care if it's uh, high school or uh, uh, pro. I, I, I don't have the ego for I'm, I got to be there. That's not what it's about. Um, I love the game. I want to be involved, and I will go where that is. And it's taken me, you know, <laughs> all those places and uh, and beyond. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough for, again, the mentors I've had and the opportunities I've had to uh, embrace change and learn. Uh, you know, again, mistakes, I own them. They're mine. Uh, getting back to that wisdom testosterone balance. You know, when you're a young coach, you have the best scheme and you're a firebrand. And... Uh, you know, apologizing the next day gets old. So, you know, you have to, uh, you know, get out of your bullhead mentality and you've got to expand. And fortunately, I, I think that I'm, I'm getting better. It's still a work in progress, um, but I'm, I'm getting better at expanding and breathing and seeing different ways of winning. And I think I've exhibited the ability to win at every single level. Uh, and that's also kept it fresh. Um, but in fairness, I actually hate losing more than I love winning. So, <laughs> so, and if you can find a paycheck to to go with that and and still function, stay in that lane. Yeah. So, there, I there's love the, that. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that coach. And and what I love about what you shared there was again everything. You know, your desire was to move in the direction of where you could grow, right? Where are the opportunities that are going to allow you to amplify your gifts, your talents, and your abilities so you can become a more effective football coach, a more effective leader? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm curious from your perspective, how do you think that growth mindset has 
benefited you along the journey? Like, has it, has it made, has, has it allowed you to like, what has it allowed you to do having that, ha- having that growth mindset? I, I think I can pivot really well. Um, I think, uh, what I adjust really well, I think I do my homework really well. Um, I'm, I'm not the fastest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the tallest. I'm not the, the most gifted. Um, I think that, you know, you have to apply grit. I think one thing I have is grit. I, I think, uh, I'm, I'm the little dog that doesn't let go. Um, and what I mean by that is if I need to learn something, I'll learn it. Um, and I, I will seek out the opportunity to do that. And I'm, I'm receptive to that, uh, opportunity. So in the heat of the battle or heat of the moment, of course, you're pushing your agenda or your game plan or your schedule or your strategy, but then I'll be the first guy on the phone that night or the, or the next morning, whether it's with staff or whether it's with mentors or whether it's friends. And then I'm, 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 I'm getting the feedback, I'm getting the growth, and then I'm making the corrective action steps afterward to to get beyond it so i don't stay in that frame for long so whether it's a heated moment or whether it's a stressful moment uh i want to recover from that as fast as possible i don't linger in it i want to okay take the nugget take the lesson and where can i move forward with this um so i've learned over time that i'm faster at letting go um and and where I've probably upset at any time of the game is when I haven't been uh, sensitive or empathetic to someone who isn't perhaps as capable of being as responsive or being able to pivot as fast or seeing, or, you know, that I'm not explaining myself well enough and they're not understanding me. So that's a, that's my problem, not their problem. I have to do a better job communicating to them. So that's the thing that I think I've taken away that, okay, this didn't work or this situation was something I could have done better. What are the lessons? How can I fix it? How can I move on? And I think that's probably been a hallmark of, of my steps, no matter what level. Uh, it's not intellect. It's not, um, it's not work ethic. There's a, a, every coach works hard. You know, I think, you know, that working smart and finding, you know, if, if you're in the office more than 12 hours, what are you doing? You know, okay, you you might you might be alone, you don't have a staff, but there's gotta be a way to be more efficient. Uh could you micro it? Yeah, the X is running this on every single play, the Y is running this on every single play. Uh you could do that, or do you have to now go to concepts and now teach your players concepts instead of the micro of just that four seconds or that five seconds? So you have to change how you teach to reflect you know, efficiency, organization. Um, and I think all my different leaders, all my different rooms I've been in, I've seen more than one way to win. Working with Steve Samara, working with Blake Nill, working with Wally Buono, working with Dave Ritchie, working with Snoop Locker, working with uh, Mark Pressman, working with Mike Benavides, working with uh, Mike Archer, who was seven years with Bill Cower. Uh, he coached LSU as the head coach of the earthquake game. Like being around all these wonderful men has allowed me to get a nugget from each one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I can process relatively quickly. Mm. And I love that. And, and what I really heard from you again, was that ability like to be coachable yourself, right? Like you take great responsibility in, yep. like you said, observing, learning, growing. Yep. So, you know, what could I do to be a, like in, uh, you mentioned a 
a few times, like, what could I do to simplify this? What could I do to be right. a more effective communicator so other people understand? Yeah. So as, as you have developed that skill and that ability to do that, um, what have you noticed with the, you know, the other coaches that you get to work alongside with the other student athletes that you get to work with? What have you noticed as you've really started to take greater responsibility of how you think and behave in this world? Um, being sensitive to the, um, you know, you can't treat everybody, you know, it's the fair equal, you know, um, I think I'm more sensitive now to how each player responds. I think, um, you know, COVID it, it really accentuated this or brought this out. Um, there was a two-year pattern of stress and uh, lack of socialization and inward or introverted behavior that we're still recovering from. I think there's athletes still recovering from not getting the two years of, there, there were no dances, there were no parties, there were no you know, victories in the locker room. Um there were no, no ability to, to socialize. It used to be all the bikes were on the corner at that house. That's where everybody was. We had two years of, no, everybody was in their silo. They were in their cocoon and we were living online. And it became easy to shut in. So what I'm learning is that broadcast old school hardcore coach that just comes down from Mount Olympus and fires lightning at everybody might only work for five guys. And now you've got, 30 guys that that's too hot for them. So now you've got to find a way to, okay, here's how I reach these guys. How do I reach these guys? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think what I'm doing a better job of is saying, okay, here's where we focus. Here's, here's the time to lock in, whether it's the practice time, the business meeting on the field and, and the, you know, the meeting time. However, here's the, the, the other 21 hours of the day, the office is open. The door is open. This is a two-way communication. Uh, this is uh, a trust environment. You know, Coach Samara has brought a wonderful uh, communication, responsibility, and trust mantra to our foundation is what we do. If there's no communication, we won't ever get to trust. So having that open policy where, okay, you can have feelings. You can have emotions. You can be butthurt that you didn't get the reps or you didn't play as well. That's the time that we can find how we can communicate and get to that trust level uh, that maybe in a meeting or on the field, we can't get to because you're on tempo, you're on a schedule. So I think I'm becoming better at those other 21, 22 hours. Mm -hmm. um, Mark Cressman gave me a great nugget. Uh, people over task. Don't get so wrapped up in your task that you're forgetting the people. And it's so true. Like we can literally with football lock in non-stop there's always a something on film there's always something on a, a powerpoint there's always something for an install there's always something for a breakdown there's always something for a drill there's always something for recruiting it literally doesn't stop so you have to take a time out from that task mindset and remember it's a people business we got to talk about the movies we got to talk about the books we got to talk about the families we got to talk about the kids we got to talk about the music. We got to, we got to, we got to be holistic because football is only this much of it. Don't get locked in your office with the door shut and your players don't feel you have a safe room to be able to come in and communicate about those other things in their life. The, the two exams today, 
the girlfriend, the lack of money, the not eating properly, not sleeping, missing home. All those things need to be uh, expressed and talked about and open before you can maximize all those tasks. So I think I'm getting better as I get older at that balance. I'm not a believer in burning the oil 20 hours a day and sleeping at the office. I, I was barely that guy to begin with. I did. I did that. I've slept on a lot of floors. Um, I've slept on the floor of Thunderbird Stadium. I've slept on the floor for three months out in Halifax. I've done all those things. As a young coach, you got to take some shots now. But I'm sensitive to we need a balance to be the best athlete on game day, the freshest athlete. And that's not just physical freshness, but mental and emotional and spiritual wellness. They've got to feel balanced. If they're safe, they're going to perform better on game day. Mm. And I think in today's world, 2023, especially post-COVID, it's really accelerated that need for care and sensitivity beyond just, hey, this is a phenomenal football player. So I, I think that's really been the evolution of my growth is in those areas, not just grinding. I don't use the gr word grind anymore. There was years ago, that's all everybody talked about. I'll say grit, but it's not grind. Grind implies it's not fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm all about love the game. You got to make it fun. If it's not fun, you're not going to win. I love that you share that, Coach. And I heard a, a, a you know many nuggets of wisdom there, but I love that that idea around like if you want to bring out the greatness in others, you mm -hmm. have to at the bare minimum help them to feel happy, healthy, and wealthy. Right, yeah. like that you that needs to be the foundation, like you said, that holistic approach. Yeah, and it's interesting because I love how you mentioned that idea of you know we we live in a you know, we've been sort of programmed and conditioned, especially in sport to like, to love the grind. But like you said, and, and, you know, we've all been there, right? Every high quality athlete, every high quality coach, you know, they, they, they've been in the grind. That's, that's what, you know, they've done up to this point. But I love the fact of what if we integrated more flow, like you talked about, right? Like, what if it was less grind, more flow? And it yeah. does, it doesn't mean that, you may have been in, in the grind up to this point and everything right. you've achieved has been great. But what if you integrated more flow and, and why that always piques my interest is that idea of if any high quality athlete, any high quality coach knows that when you're in the zone, yeah, you're not thinking about it. It doesn't feel like a grind, like you're loving it. You just, you're just so immersed in the moment. So, so I yep. really love what you're sharing there. It's very, very holistic approach to bring out the best in people. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's funny coach. I, um, I don't know any different. Like I'm in a state of flow with football. I can lock in like my work, rest, play boundaries are work, rest, play boundaries. I I'm not a guy to, to, to blend them. I'm not a guy who's, who's going to have a social lunch and, and be able to uh, integrate work with it. I'm not that guy. So I will lock in for an intense period where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm laser focused, but I integrated at a time of the day where it's not in somebody else's prime time. You know what I mean? So if I know the, 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 the kids are coming in the office at these times, I'm going to try and get most of my hardcore hours outside of their peak hours. So I can give them more of me. Uh, so I can adjust, I can adapt. Um, it's, it's hard though. You can't always do that. Like if you're bottom of the chain, if you're the scout team 
coordinator or you're the the number two position coach for O-line or DBs or what have you. Um, you might be, used to be the photocopier was your best friend. Like, I mean, there's going to be stressful moments that are process-based. And what I like to do is frame, okay, in a play, you've got four to seven seconds is the average play. Let's dial it in for that. Then we're going to reload, refresh for 30 seconds, and then we're going to do it again. We're not going to be outcome-based. We're going to be process-based. So I try and get that process into what I'm doing because I think that that positivity, that mindset, if I'm positive, my work is going to be positive. If if back to the word grind, I don't think grind is a positive word. So you're going to now associate it with labor and labor sometimes, a lot of the times is not fun. You're coming from a not open place. You're not going to be able to handle a large staff or a large team because you're locked in. Your energy is locked in. I'm not saying I don't have those moments. I totally do. But I try and pivot out of them fast so that I can go over here and be open again and be loose and flow. Football allows me to do that. Going into the office is not a chore. It's not a stress. I, but My life is balanced when I have that, that autonomy that here's the structure and here's the end point, beginning point. But how we go about that, well, Wally Bono did it like this. Mark Tresman did it like this. Blake Neal does it like this. Steve Samara does it like this. Snoop Blocker does it like this. You know, Mike Stenning does it like this. Okay, well, Rob Stevenson does it like this. They're all winners. They all win. They're all doing them. They're doing what works for them. You have to do the same. So I've found for me what works for me. You can't coach high school the way you coach community. You can't coach community the way you coach junior. You can't coach junior the way you coach university. You can't coach university the way you coach pro. You adapt to the environment. Um, and, and back to your point, I find that I flow well between all those environments. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting as you as you talk about that, you flow because again, you you have this well-formed habit of being adaptable, right? Like you understand, you know, I, I sort of share with my kids, like read the room, like what what is required of you in this moment? Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting that you brought up sort of a, a point, which I really hope people start to, you know, really heard was this idea of like, you have to understand you, you have to understand what your gifts, your talents, your abilities are, what qualities are well-formed with you. Right. And and you need to be malleable and learn how to maximize them. So I really love that 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 simplicity of like you got to be you, right? You got to be Absolutely. who you are. Absolutely. Like I I um I've benefited from you know of course Mike Cercelli, JP Cercelli, and their style, and they're, they're now bringing that to Windsor and doing a fantastic job down there. I've benefited from from uh, Steve and Blake St. Mary's. I've benefited from so many good leaders, Rob Stevenson, Nate Stevenson, Mike Standing, Dave Martin. I am uh, functioning well as a number two. I can function well as a number three. I can function well as a number one. And I don't define, you know, uh, okay, for success, it has to look like this. I, I don't have that. I, if I've got joy and my love of the game is pure, then when it gets stressful and there are those heated moments and you have to have those hard discussions, uh, you know, kids are kids, things are going to happen. You're not going to be happy all the time. How do I get out of that? And how do I find the victory or at least the positive 
you know, here's the path, here's the lane, here's what we can do to grow. How can we help as best as we can after we've done that? Working with such a broad, diverse group of mentors and coaches has allowed me that gift of I can do this, I can do this. And I would encourage all coaches to step out of their zone and recognize they're not just one path to victory. Take a look at the, you know, that room and holy cow, that that's a quality room. You're going to get something. You're going to get something. Mm -hmm. And I'm open to that. That is really what's, I think, one of my skills getting back to the, okay, I'm, I'm not the PhD Harvard guy. I'm not the, uh, the, the, the ditch digger guy, but I can take elements of both. And I think that's probably one of my best skill sets is that adaptability. Mm, definitely brother. And, and that is one thing I've definitely, you know, really been reminded of, you know, learning more about your journey to greatness today. Um, so I'm curious, anyone listening to this, um, if, if they, have been sort of piqued their interest in learning more about St. Mary's and, you know, maybe that's their next potential pathway. Um, what's, what's the best way for people to connect with you? I think before it even gets to that, let's, yeah. let's think of the sport. Think, think inward first. Do you love the game or do you love the idea of the game? Are you an Instagram hero playing inappropriate music on your highlight tape? I want you to look at yourself first before you think about a school. How you present yourself and how you play and how you do all those things, the schools are going to kind of align to that. You know, like Steve Snyder's doing a fantastic job at Queens. Queens is a certain type of athlete, student athlete, you know, as such as McGill is, as Laval is, as UBC is, as Windsor is, as St. Mary's is, as Manitoba is. So before I, I pump, you know, St. Mary's tires, I want you to be aligned with the student athlete that St. Mary's is aligned with. Mm -hmm. And if that makes sense, what I don't like to see, and we see it all the time, athletes get seduced by the show. They think this, this opportunity at this school, whether it's through the award money, athletically or academically, they're looking at those um, they're looking at those uh, peripheral things and then they have to transfer after a year because they made a mistake. That school's not in alignment with who they are. Happens all the time. Look at the transfer portal down South. What a mess that is. Um, I think you have to find out, okay, here's my strengths. Here's my top three or my top five. Now I can start to vet schools or, or, you know, programs of interest that I know I can be aligned with for four or five years. I know that, okay, yes, I want to be a pro. Well, let's work backwards. Okay, you got to get your draft year in. Now, are you going to get an East-West Bowl shot the year before that? Are you getting an opportunity to play or dress or start the year before that? Are you on a scout team or special team the year before that? Are you getting into the right pathway with school, the right three, four, or five classes that fit with you that you can align 40 hours a week with football and being a student? Let's start there first before we, because not everybody's a St. Mary's guy. Not everybody's a Western guy. Not everybody's a Laval guy. Not everybody's a UBC guy. But there's more than enough kids and there's more than enough programs. There's more than enough feeders. There's only 27 Canadian schools playing football. 
Well, look, there's 28 schools in London playing football. There's, there's so many opportunities at the lower levels for kids to play. The OSFL is one of them. Midget League in Calgary is another one. Summer leagues, CJFL coming up. However, the step beyond that now with only 27 schools, you have to align yourself as a student. So I would encourage guys to start there first mm-hmm. instead of just this shotgun approach to, oh, I want all the schools to love me and I want to post and be blessed on Instagram for my 15th offer to this school. Proud of you. Great work. But you're not looking at it correctly. You're being seduced by the offers and you're looking at the extrinsic stuff. You're not looking at the stuff that where, where do I fit? Where do my family want me to go? Where, where am I going to be comfortable and safe for my years there? Where can I maximize my potential within that instead of that seduction of the recruiting process? You know, let's let's look at the truth now. Every year it's one and done. It's going to continue. It takes so much energy and time and it wastes it. Mm-hmm. I know. I totally get it. But let's look inside first. What's best for me? Is it being seduced by 15 schools and posting it all on Instagram and Twitter? Or is it researching those schools and locking in on the ones that yeah, I think I see a fit here. I think I can really maximize here. That's the kid I want. I want that one who says, okay, I love the game. Coach Lake loves the game. Coach Samara's got a program that I can maximize. Now I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, and I love that, again, that focus, right? Like taking responsibility, understanding what the best growth next adventure what is going to provide you with the most growth and and i think it's an important reminder for not only student athletes but really anyone you know Mm -hmm. in the game of life yeah we only got so much time coach we like we're only here for this long two generations from now no one's going to see my statue it's not going to happen no one's going to know i was here so we got this much time to to make the big time and you got to do it where you are absolutely if you do that, like what you're doing, you know, look how many guys you're bringing in, like this, this think tank, what you're doing didn't exist before in Canada. Nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm. We had combines, but there wasn't the next level for that, that body, mind, soul connection with the sport. And that's what I love what you're doing because you're, you're allowing all the coaches, different levels to, to go beyond the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate that. I received those words. Cool. Um, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you. I, I want to acknowledge you. you for, you know, the great man you are, you know, the great significant other, the great teacher, coach, mentor, but more importantly, the amazing human being you are. The, the one thing I've really taken away from our conversation today is the importance of, of, of following following the growth opportunity, right? Like in every opportunity, every adventure, there's an opportunity to grow. And it's really understanding what is going to allow me to grow and become that that person I was always meant to be. So I just want to thank you for blessing me with some of your time and energy and just providing me with that reminder. So thank you again. I really appreciate your time, Coach, Uh, anytime. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on some more sidelines so we can uh, talk shop. Yeah, absolutely. So folks, uh, Coach drops so many valuable nuggets of wisdom uh, that will not only help you succeed in sport, 
but more importantly, in the game of life. But as I remind you every week in the huddle, knowledge is potential power. It's the consistent and focused application of great knowledge that actually creates great results. So my challenge to you is to take one of these valuable nuggets of wisdom and go apply it to your life today. And as I like to remind you every week in the huddle, you are deserving of greatness. You are worthy of greatness. You are greatness. And my only ask from these conversations is if it resonated with you, if it touched your heart, then please share it with a friend, a loved one, a teammate, or just someone you feel that would benefit from listening to this conversation. The more people we have listening, understanding, and applying these simple ideas and principles to their life, the more blessed this world will be. As always, I love these conversations with you in the huddle. Have a blessed rest of your day. Awesome.